independent instinct and reason researcher found that a mentally healthy workplace is actually a powerful magnet for attracting and retaining workers. With 71% of Australian employees saying that a mentally healthy workplace was important when looking for a job in the future. Hi there, it's great to have you join us for the Psychological Safety Works podcast, where we bring you concrete strategies and inspiring ideas about how to confidently have important but tough conversations. Do you know businesses are required by law to provide mental or psychological safety for their employees as well as physical safety? Are you aware of the risk factors that can lead to mentally unhealthy work environments? Do you feel confident your team is working at their best and being fully productive at work? We're here to help businessmen and women with all this and much more. Listen in to discover how you can build greater psychological safety in your workplace and reap the benefits of reduced business costs and increased employee productivity. And now, here's your host, Sandy Givens. This is the Psychological Safety Works, episode number two. Hi, thanks for dropping in for this next episode on how to create more psychological safety and more mentally healthy workplaces. Now, when we look at the state of mental health conditions in Australia and the impact this has on business, it becomes really clear there are three distinct cases for addressing this issue. The first is the business case, then there's a legal case, And there is also a human case. So today I'm going to start talking with you about the business case. Now, in a submission from the Mentally Healthy Workplace Alliance for the April 2019 Productivity Commission inquiry into mental health, there were three really critical statistics that stood out for me. The first one is this. One in five working Australians report experiencing a mental illness in the past year. Secondly, almost 25% of the workforce experience mild depression that leads to absenteeism of 50 hours per person per year. And thirdly, a further 8% experience moderate to severe depression leading to absenteeism of up to 138 hours per person per Per year. So it begs the question, well, how exactly does this impact the bottom line? Well, in their groundbreaking and eye-opening 2014 report, PricewaterhouseCoopers, or PwC, stated that mental health conditions cost Australian workplaces $10.9 billion per year. Now, that total amount is made up of presenteeism, which accounts for $6.1 billion, absenteeism, billion, and finally, compensation claims of $145.9 million. So there's a couple of things that we can see just from those statistics. First of all, compensation claims account for the smallest percentage of this overall annual cost of $10.9 billion. And a lot of my clients say they find that very surprising. Secondly, a lot of my clients say, well, I understand absenteeism, but what about this presenteeism? What is that really? And presenteeism is a a term that was coined to represent all those people who show up to work and they're there physically, but mentally and emotionally not fully there. In other words, 
They're people who are physically at work, but not being fully productive. They're not able to focus as well. They're distracted easily. They perhaps seem to take a lot of toilet breaks or coffee breaks. Um, and they're not being as productive as they normally would be if they were totally 100% physically and mentally healthy. Now, it's not just about the dollars. It's also about a company or organization's reputation and their ability to recruit top performers. Independent instinct and reason researcher found that a mentally healthy workplace is actually a powerful magnet for attracting and retaining workers, with 71% of Australian employees saying that a mentally healthy workplace was important when looking for a job in the future. Additionally, a mentally healthy workplace makes an employee far more committed to their job and less likely to seek other employment. In fact, almost half of the employees surveyed left a workplace because it had a poor environment in terms of mental health. Now, when you put all that together, that's compelling data. So employers, if you need more evidence that investing in a psychological safe workplace and providing mental well-being for your employees, and that that is a good idea, let me share this with you. PwC's research clearly showed that on average, organizations can expect ROI or return on investment of 2.3 for every dollar invested in implementing effective actions to create a mentally healthy workplace. So now obviously that ROI is going to vary between industries and sizes of organizations as well as the number of multiple targeted actions that are implemented at any point in time. So the average ROI for organizations, they found to be $2.30 for every dollar invested. I can share with you a great tool that is freely available for you to be able to actually calculate your anticipated ROI. And because it's a very lengthy URL, I will provide the link to that in the show notes. So please make sure that you go there and have a look after listening to this podcast if that's important to you. So that's a pretty strong business case for improving the psychological safety in your workplace. What about the legal case? Well, managing work-related psychological health and safety is a legal requirement of all employers under work health and safety laws or WHS laws or worker compensation laws in all Australian jurisdictions. Now, in Section 5 of the Occupational Health and Safety Act of 2004, health is defined as including psychological health. Under this Act, employers must provide and maintain a working environment for their employees, including any independent contractors, that is safe and without risk to health, so far as is reasonably practical. Now, I know over the past several decades, Australian employers have become incredibly attentive to the physical risks within a workplace. And now our law requires us to look after the psychological risks as well. Employers have an obligation to consult with employees and health and safety representatives on matters that directly affect or are likely to affect the health or safety of employees, including hazards and risks associated with mental health. Additionally, all employers within Australia have a duty to exercise due diligence to ensure they take reasonable steps 
to gain an understanding of the psychosocial hazards and risks associated with the operations of their business, and to ensure the business or undertaking has and uses appropriate resources and processes to eliminate or minimize risks to psychological health. Wow, that's a whole lot of words, I know. And I've made it as common layman's language as I possibly can for you. Work health and safety and workers' compensation laws don't operate in isolation either. And there are other laws in Australia that may also be relevant. So what are these other laws that may be relevant for employers to be considering? Well, first of all, of course, there are criminal laws where we may be looking at incidents of bullying that could involve an assault or other criminal behavior of some sort. I trust things aren't to that point in your workplaces. Sadly, though, what we know is happening in the health sector, everything from emergency departments in hospitals through to general practices uh, with GPs and other health professionals operating, sadly, this level of violence seems to have become a lot more common. So, there are criminal laws that are important um, to look at. There are anti-discrimination laws. So, in terms of an employer, um, you need to make sure that you are making reasonable adjustments by making changes to allow workers with mental health disorders to perform the inherent requirements of their job. Now, this is a topic that I'll talk at length about in a future episode, but it is required by law that employers make these reasonable adjustments, and we'll discuss and explore what exactly is considered reasonable under the law. There is the Fair Work Act of 2009, which contains measures to address bullying at work, There are privacy laws that regulate the handling and disclosure of personal information and healthcare records of employees. And again, in a future episode, we'll talk about if you do have someone in your organization with a diagnosed mental health condition, what are their requirements in terms of divulging that to you? And if they do divulge it to you, how are you going to ensure the confidentiality of that information around the workplace? And of course, There's workers' compensation laws. Although similar in all jurisdictions of Australia, there are some variations between states and territories, so it is important for you to refer to your jurisdiction and ensure that you are compliant with the relative laws in your area. Now, workers' compensation laws outline when you must have documented return-to-work policies and procedures for managing the recovery of your workers who sustain a work-related injury, which in course could include a psychological injury of some sort. Now, generally, these laws place obligations on the employer to have a documented rehabilitation policy describing the steps to be taken if a worker has a work-related injury. Secondly, The employer must consult with the worker and provide information to that employee about their rights and responsibilities 
They need to ensure they treat the worker fairly during and after a claim is lodged. The employer needs to develop or be involved in the development of a worker's return to work plan and comply with the obligations described in the plan. And finally, an employer has a responsibility to provide meaningful, suitable duties as far as reasonably practical when a worker is able to return to work either on a full-time or a part-time basis. And remember, most importantly, as an organization, ignorance is not a defense if your organization ends up in court. So, all in all, we have then a business profitability case and we have legal reasons for ensuring that our workplaces are psychologically safe. But the human cost provides compelling reasons for us to be looking after our employees as well. And for me personally, it is this human cost that motivates me the most to address our mental health issues within businesses. Now, research from the independent organisation TNS and Beyond Blue and the Australian Bureau of Statistics has shown these sort of figures. First of all, 45% of Australians between the ages of 16 and 85 will experience a mental health condition in their lifetime. Secondly, in any one year, around 1 million Australian adults have depression and over 2 million have anxiety. So adding those together, 3 million people, 3 million people in Australia today diagnosed with depression and or anxiety. And I don't know about you, but I have trouble sometimes processing those really big numbers. So to give you an, ex an image of what that really means, 3 million people, that is enough people to fill the Sydney cricket ground 60 times over. 60 jam-packed Sydney cricket grounds. That's what we're talking about today in Australia. One in five Australian adults will experience a mental health illness in any given year, and more than eight people die every day from suicide. just want to pause and let that sink in. Eight people a day are making a decision to end their lives. Now, that eight people per day is more than twice the national road toll, which currently stands at three people per day. And staggeringly, suicide is the leading cause of death for Australians between the ages of 15 and 44. 15 and 44. People in the prime of their life. People at a time in their life where we would hope they would be living and learning and experiencing and being joyful. So that is the state of mental health issues within Australia and their impact on businesses. So what will be your personal takeaway from all of this that I've shared with you today? I'd like to leave you with four ideas or, dare I say, imperatives for you. Four things for your to-do list or homework, and please trust me, it won't be arduous and it won't take you a long time. It will I promise you, be eye-opening and incredibly helpful to your business. So the first one is for you to look into what your current absentee rates are. Are they going up over the past few years? Are they above your industry's standards? 
Are they above national benchmarks for absenteeism? Secondly, look at your labour turnover, or LTO. Again, looking for rises and comparing it to industry standards. Calculate what all that is costing you. Think about in terms of labour turnover, the cost to recruit and train new staff, how long it takes until they're fully productive in their role. And remember, people may be leaving your organisation not because of poor health, but because they choose to work somewhere that is more supportive of not only their physical, but their psychological safety and well-being. Number three, and perhaps this is a good place to start. The third thing I encourage you to do is to consider the statistics I shared with you, and particularly the one about one in five adults experiencing a mental illness in any given year. Have a look around your workplace. Is there someone, someone struggling? Look at your employees with fresh eyes. Look at them without judgment about why they may be doing what they're doing. But if somebody doesn't seem to be taking their full lunch breaks or going to the, the, the staff room for lunch the way they used to, or they seem to be coming in late or leaving early or taking longer lunches, somebody doesn't participate in your social club activities like they used to, don't judge them for this. Don't reach a conclusion about why this is happening. Perhaps go have a chat with them. Or dare I say, perhaps on thinking about all this, you might realize it's you that's struggling and you're doing everything you can to hide it. Maybe it's time that you put your hand up to someone you trust, maybe a health professional, and say, hey, I need some help learning how to cope with what's going on for me right now. And the fourth and final bit of uh, suggestion of homework I have for you is to consider the culture of your organization. Look around and think about, is it safe for people to ask for help without fear of judgment and possible recriminations? Do you have a culture of working long hours and people needing to be seen as exceptionally busy and under the pump because they're fearful if they don't, they might be seen as dispensable? Are people taking sick leave regularly and ad hoc holiday leave days? Again, without judgment and without deciding why they're doing what they're doing, just even finding out what is really happening in your team and in your workplace is a wonderful place to start. I truly hope that you will find that you are reassured by the answers you find. And if you don't, please contact me. I promise you a free no obligation phone consultation to discuss what you can do to improve the psychological safety and well-being of your workplace. I'll be delighted to help you in any way I can. I'm also looking forward to being with you next time when I'm going to share some more information about how you can identify specifically just how psychologically safe your workplace is and what you can do to improve it. So thanks again for joining me today. And remember, look after yourself and always look out for others as well. Take good care. See you next time. Thanks for listening in to this episode of the Psychological Safety Works podcast with Sandy Givens. We'd hugely appreciate your rating and review of this episode on your preferred podcast app. 
This will help us enormously in continuing our mission to equip business and community leaders with the skills and confidence to communicate with their courageous voice and create safer, more productive and harmonious workplaces for everyone. This Psychological Safety Works podcast is proudly part of the Experts On Air podcast network. Until next time, look after yourselves and each other.